You're listening to Burnout Made Me Do It, a podcast for Monday haters looking for change, where I share tips on how to prevent and recover from burnout and interview amazing guests that come and share their stories. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Hollingdale. I'm an ex-burner turned psychotherapist and coach, and I help people feel happier and more fulfilled in their workplace. Now let's get to the good stuff. Today, we are welcoming Katie Peretz. She is an LMFT currently operating out of Washington. Katie and I met, I want to say like a decade ago, in part of our therapy training. And I know she has uh, some wonderful tales to tell. So I'm really excited to jump in and throw my questions at at Katie and, and see what she has to say. So first up, Katie, welcome to Burnout Made Me Do It. Tell me, have you ever experienced what you would classify as burnout? Has that been part of the path for you? Yes, I would say absolutely. And I've had three major experiences, I think, with burnout. Learning hard lessons or trying not learning hard lessons and then finally learning hard lessons. <laughs> I can I can relate. I feel like I learned the hard lessons, but it was like a decade before I implemented what I had learned Um, so if you if you would like take us through them what was going on what were these sort of major um, moments for you well the first time was actually I was working for airport marina and I just finished school where I did my internship there at this company that worked with veterans with dual diagnoses and then I moved to our community mental health center, which was fantastic. But I had a case, a small caseload there and a small caseload at that middle school that we worked at. Mm -hmm. And I was also working as a waitress at a local restaurant in the town where I grew up in and also living with my parents. plates spinning quite a few plates I did and at the same time my dad was he was diagnosed with cancer and he was actually heading towards the end of his life and I think at that time I was kind of like trying to encompass this role of I don't know somehow helping my mom through that and being there for dad and like taking on appointments and all of this turned out to be a little bit more than I could handle. Understandably, like that's a huge amount, right? Like the the therapy work, that practice and that training is super intense. And then you are working to make the sort of cash monies that you need to live and then being the sort of emotional and practical support for people that you obviously care about and need so much from you. That's, that feels like, you know, four people's jobs. <laughs> It felt like a lot, definitely. I think the, you know, the family part is what really brought it home in terms of like too much to carry. Mm. But yeah, so I just got to a point where I ended up, you know, talking to the woman that ran the community mental health center and telling her, you know, it's time for me to, to walk away because I got just too much going on and I just took a break at that point. And I think I I worked for a little bit at, it's like an art studio, (laughs) you know, like one of those like paint and wine places. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I worked there for a little bit. And then, and my dad passed away and then took some time and then ended up working at a uh, preschool for special needs kids in like a part-time capacity as a, a therapist, but also mostly like a preschool teacher. And it was like, like the most exhausting job I've ever done, but super fulfilling. I think that really like helped me get some mojo back. Brought you back a little bit. Well, first, I'm so sorry for the loss of your dad. That's so sad. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was 2014. So, you know, it's been a minute, but I I know that that doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) Right. Is it what was it like having to step back from your your therapy work? Because I know, of course, you know, to get to the place that you were, you'd been incredibly invested in it and done a huge amount of work. So I, I. can't even imagine how complicated it must have been to figure out that you needed to step back and to then do that or or did you just handle it like way better than I would have hell no (laughs) I was in session with a client and um it it was all like so much that I actually started feeling nauseous Mm. and I had to excuse myself to, (laughs) to go get sick wow and I was like I think it's time to go. <laughs> like these, when these physical signs are, are showing themselves, we gotta, yeah, take some action. Yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing to say, like, as a therapist, like, thinking that I, like, it needed to get to this point where I'm like having some panic attacks, or I could be like, it's okay to step back. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it took. It's. I think it's really hard to apply to ourselves, right? We're, we're so well-versed in offering that to other people and, and pointing out and trying to support them in recognizing their needs and caring for their own needs and giving themselves permission to care for their needs. I, I feel like you're in good company with us other therapists, or in my case, ex-therapist, that wasn't always great at giving that to ourselves or at least not in in real time but you got there right like so that's the important thing I I often think like joke to myself like I teach it doesn't mean I know how to do it (laughs) right I'm like I talk the talk sometimes walking the walk is a, a little bit of a different thing right um so what happened after that so you so you were were teaching and and doing therapy and you said that sort of helped bring back some sparks and mojo for you where mm-hmm. do we go from there because that was it sounds like one of the three experiences you mentioned yeah during that time I met the man who was to become my husband <laughs> I we moved to Washington Washington state uh, I've always wanted to like live somewhere closer to wild areas to the you know and small town life has always appealed to me so that is what we got and um I started working in crisis intervention up here first job where I'm you know as a therapist being paid well and sort of like something about being up here and like I just remember like driving up past the Oregon border you know over the Columbia And then there's this road with like these uh, craggy rocks on your left and then the Columbia River and the ocean. And then above on my right, there's just like mountains with these huge 
trees and I was just sort of like I felt like something in me kind of move around and I, I just I don't know a lot started changing so I decided to stop drinking because I am an alcoholic <laughs> and that and some other stuff led to the end of my marriage and doing those sorts of things while also, you know, palling around with the cops and trying to tell people why their lives are worth living and, <laughs> pull, you know, pull them back. It's a similar recipe for disaster. And so at that time I decided to, to quit again. And I met all of these wonderful people that were basically like my lifeline up here because I just didn't know anybody. And sort of as a way to keep my, my mind busy and my hands busy and uh, not think about drinking. I, I uh, was helping a friend who had hauled out his boat to do some repairs. And he just, you know, gave me a sander, not the electric one yet. Because they were like step-by-step <laughs> cicada. <laughs> right. Like I, I had just learned to mow my own lawn. <laughs> like no power tools yet. So uh, I started there and was like learning about these old wooden boats and all this like wonderful, it was like, it was like going to another country really in the extreme difference in culture and life experience. And I just threw myself into it. And I loved having something to do and learn about while being outside like in the boatyard with all these like salty old dudes <laughs> we would like you know get fresh fish and like barbecue it on the hibachi like on the back of a truck bed and it sort of just like started bringing back how simple and like feeling alive and feeling happy is you know and I like yeah, so I started doing that and, and, and learning how to repair the old wooden boats. And then that sort of led to me being obsessed with, like, I just really wanted to be out on the water. I wanted so badly to, like, be one of the, the fishermen that I was getting to know and learn all about. So I, I basically, like, I started hounding my friend who was a, a boat captain and um, cooking food for the the guys on the boat and basically stalking him until he <laughs> allowed me to to come on a on a crowd trip as a potential third man yeah that was that was really crazy um that started the beginning of the whole fisherman life now this is i think this was like <laughs> the, a little glimpse that i saw staying in touch with you you know from afar by by sort of facebook was you on a crab boat and I was like a lot clearly has changed and that looks <laughs> like amazing and also unfathomable um like that that complete change of life I think from afar I was like I'm terrified of the amount of change <laughs> that that involves and also fascinated and envious of like just a, a massive lifestyle change so it was sort of fascinating to see from afar was your use of alcohol anything related to these sort of situations that you were in or is that just one of a myriad of factors 
yeah of course it's it was like like the previous burnout session like the way I was trying to deal with dad's illness was to escape in any way possible and that meant drowning myself in quite a lot of booze but I had a I just had a history of um you know when I was young finding relief in not being totally present Mm -hmm. and like part of that that shift that I was talking about when I moved here was like kind of realizing that I was missing out on my life and throwing it away and I I missed myself I just very much wanted to feel alive again I'll tell you when I first started I didn't even like crab <laughs> like <laughs> I want to be there the moment that you were out on the crab boat, came back and had to acknowledge that actually you had zero interest in eating what you guys had just caught. Like you must have got so much shit from the, the crew for that. The second I was on the boat, the other guys are like, you know, they have chewing tobacco. Like, why are you here? You have a master's degree. What are you? Wait, no, but like this one guy, he just kept like, he wouldn't, he couldn't get it. And he's like, no, but, but why? Why are you here? And I was like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> Did they seem to be suggesting that they didn't want to be there? Or were they just confused because you're this petite woman with all this education and that part they couldn't get? Or were they just like, look, this is a hellhole. What are you doing? It's a combination of both. Like, you'd be out there for like three days at a time and maybe get like 10 to 18 hours of sleep total. And you're on a boat rocking back and forth and listening to heavy metal to like keep you awake and like drinking Red Bull and, and it's dangerous and, and scary at times, but also awesome and exhilarating and beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I'd be covered in fish guts. Like my first time out there, I was so seasick. I was like, throwing up as I was it was it was miserable but I was like let's do it again <laughs> you're the kid on the roller coaster vomits all over themselves and then goes yeah that was awesome yes it was it was like you know being thrust out of jolted like 180 degrees into this different world so every time you'd get up after like the 15 minutes of sleep as you rest every chance you get or however long it is you're able to close your eyes like there's that initial feeling of like oh my god I can't do this how am I gonna put on my my wet gear again and go out there but then this the music is playing and the wind is blowing and you're in the middle of the ocean in a for me it's like living a, a fantasy a dream of like being able to do this so few people will ever have the opportunity feeling like some old crusty sailor and with these ridiculous men who say the stupidest fucking things <laughs> like I can't believe I'm doing this I often hear people talk about creating lives that we don't want to disassociate from or don't want to to separate from as if that's some kind of easy task but it sounds like some of the, the changes you made really did assist in that. If 
if I'm completely honest, I'm still learning my lessons, like Ooh. in terms of <laughs> of how I, I really want to live my life. If it were possible for me to still be out there fishing and being able to pay my mortgage and feel secure in that, that's where I would be. I came back to therapy and I get quite a bit out of using my mind in this way. I love this type of analytical thinking, but I do find myself really missing that feeling of being alive. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find a balance. Mm. And, you know, I think you've, you've hit something there that I think a lot of us feel, which is like hard to find a balance of a life that we enjoy and the financial needs that we have, right? Trying to always figure out like what we can do that we can love and can also kind of, you know, keep a, a roof over our heads. And I certainly know from therapist training that that is not a particularly affluent time uh, in our <laughs> lives, to put it mildly. And I'm, I'm sure, um, as you say, like working on the, the boats, probably also not, but like trying to balance that has been hard, I think, for, for lots of folks. Like I certainly, my first career, like burnt out fully on uh, and found it very hard to step away because I had no idea how else to pay the bills, right? I literally had zero savings, no plan, and just this strong knowledge that I couldn't do it anymore. But this idea of like, oh fuck, like what are we gonna <laughs> do um, kicks in real hard, right? Like that survival instinct of like, we're gonna have to figure something out doesn't make always for a nice like stress-free balanced life. Like we're, we deal with those hard realities. How would, how would you say the, the managing of, of money and having to have, of course, you know, the financial means to, to meet your needs plays into burnout for you? Man, I think that it's, it's like the more that you have, sometimes I think the further away you get from remembering what the fuck is important because you're so busy trying to maintain the comfortable lifestyle at least sometimes that's that's how I see it in my life and then sometimes you know you need to be an adult and go through hard times as a means to an end you know like before I was scrambling to to meet this goal of becoming a therapist and to have these things that I thought would give me sense of of having made it of being like worthy I guess and you know that includes like having a career not just a job having a home you know being married having family like all of these sort of like check boxes I could sort of check off but there was such freedom in being a total failure <laughs> no career no husband at the time I didn't have my own place so I was just renting and getting by and 
you know, and like, it's just weird. Like that's when I felt my happiest. Hmm. And so like, you know, even as we're talking, I'm thinking like a good balance would be to maybe like get my license and set myself up in a practice where I could work like maybe two or three days a week, but then spend the rest of my time doing something else that is kind of like satiates that part of me that that therapy can't always be. Yeah. I think we, I certainly grew up with this sort of mentality or, or I don't know, the, the lesson that I had had acquired was like, you find that one thing that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And A, I think that's absolute bullshit, right? You find something you love to do and you'll work twice as hard uh, all the time because it means so much for you. But also just this idea that there can be one thing that can can fulfill all the different parts of us seems so naive when I think about it now. You know, you have a part that really enjoys the, the sort of mental practice of therapy and the analytical work of like trying to untangle problems and then another part that's you know so creative and wants to be so in touch with nature and like how can one single role like fulfill all these needs and so I think I'm increasingly seeing in the folks that I work with this sort of hybrid lifestyle not where they necessarily have like what folks call side hustles which I think are a a bit of a glamorized term for like needing to work a bunch of jobs to to pay the bills but where the things that they're choosing to do add up to a a completely fulfilling life for that person yes so like when you have clients for example who like push push your buttons as they sometimes do you know and you have to just be like super loving and and professional while maintaining appropriate boundaries or whatever like when I'm on the boat my my favorite boat shirt says shirt says fuck you you fucking fuck (laughs) um (laughs) and like just being able to be like salty and like you know the guy says something totally inappropriate so I can say something totally inappropriate back and just like have these sort of extremes (laughs) that somehow create balance I could, I could see how that works. Yeah. Like some, some freedom to like tap into all parts of us. I, I know that something that I always like really liked about you is that you shared something that I felt I had, which was like sort of a healthy cynicism, right? A little bit of a, a, a balance in things because I, or, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I know certainly there are a lot of people working in the therapy world that felt a little too what's the word, like goody two shoes or two in, I, I can't quite describe it without probably insulting many, many people who are, are not that, but it felt like a lack of, I guess, reality and authenticity that we could still be humans and still drop F-bombs and still have bad days without that making us bad therapists or, or bad humans. But there seemed to be a little bit more of an expectation that we'd be some kind of ethereal higher level of human that doesn't have their own stuff going on yes you have just a great sense of humor and a really poignant way of like pointing out the truth with humor (laughs) it's just 
it's my absolute favorite <laughs> yeah so um, yeah burnout one burnout two what's burnout three yeah the third time um like i had some time out on the sea i did uh some healing i i found that wasn't the best industry for long term you know like it like you were saying it satiated this one part of me but like the part of me that that also yearns for like stability financial stability was not quite met so i was doing that and i was also in a program that helped me to stop drinking and this program really emphasizes doing service work and sort of finding a way to contribute the best way possible to the greater good. And I think that the best way for me to help was to go back to being a therapist. So I went and I actually took a position at a local mental health, the same local mental health agency doing like a program management for the community mental health services, which was meeting people who, meeting people in the community who had a severe and persistent mental illness. And I was managing the social workers and nurse who would go out and meet these folks and try and get them to engage in the program, come to the daytime facility, engage with a therapist, take medication if necessary, and that kind of stuff. And that turned out to be really uh, very difficult. I mean, that's an intense population <laughs> to, to try to offer some support to. Yes. And um, like the month after I was hired, like 90% of the team quit. Wow. And so we spent the year trying to rebuild the team while keeping people alive, like was a challenge. So there was not a lot of help. And this, this program that was in place had a lot of like areas for improvement and it was just, yeah, stressful population, all that stuff. So I gave it a year. Wow, you you got guts, girl. A year of of that population sounds just devastating, right? I can't even imagine the losses that you went through within that year. Was this a twelve step program that you were part of? Mm-hmm. Like, did you feel the the sort of giving back the service part of things at some point? Did that feel like pressure, or was that always a positive thing for you? Yeah, definitely felt like pressure. <laughs> I know you to be a, a, a carer and a, a caretaker. And, and so I can imagine that the suggestion of service you took incredibly seriously and that you're doing that in a field and a, and a population that I can only possibly describe from afar as totally exhausting and rife with systemic blocks that you had no control over and yet still feeling like got to keep going got to keep doing the the service or at least that's what I imagined in your mind yeah I have a tendency to put a lot of pressure on myself and to pick the hardest thing all the time like 
that's how I'm going <laughs> to, that's how I'm going to be of service. Totally not that, you know, the, the same thing, but I can very much relate to picking <laughs> the hardest thing, right? Like if we're going to do it, let's go big. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, again, don't want to speak for you, but I think that that sort of somewhat addictive personality in me is a similar thing, which is like, if we're drinking, we're going hard. If we're training, we're doing a freaking Ironman. If we are working, we better be the absolute freaking best at it or we will be in like deep shame. So it's that that very all or nothing approach to life that I feel like turns up for a lot of us who've been through burnout. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just like, I didn't just go fishing. I went crab fishing in the Pacific Northwest. It's like the second most dangerous job in the United States after what's it called logging mm-hmm. which I'm not gonna do <laughs> fortunately I have a, I have a lot <laughs> no I'm coming uh, back to check on you in a year <laughs> okay what would you say for you are the learnings that you do take from your experiences now and and I say that knowing that we're all still learning so Please don't feel any pressure for these to be the finished list of things. But what do you now know and try to apply in your life? It's so integral to have the self-knowledge of what makes you function, you know, at your best. Like, I know that when I'm exercising every day, like, it seems like such a stupid thing, but it is 100% necessary for me. I think, like, maybe self-reflection... And, um, you know, having the courage to like follow what inspires you and to like listen to what your experience is telling you. What do you hope for yourself, you know, like a year from now? I would like occupationally, I think I would like to have my own practice working with kids because that is what I find the most fulfilling and have a really good balance between that and um, working towards my living in nature goals, things that inspire me in a different way. I'm working right now, I'm in my own therapy on knowing myself better and having more confidence in that so that I could say definitively like who I am right now and what I want. That would be really nice. (laughs) Amen to that. Okay, cool idea would be uh, having a little bit of land, you know, so I could have like a mini ranch with some horses and then work with kids who are autistic. Like, that would be amazing. That would be beyond amazing. And then I could still, you know, live that ranch life like that Uh I aspire to and maybe have my own boat that I could just take out recreationally like a normal person (laughs) something we dabble with (laughs) on a casual basis yeah maybe not risk my life for crustaceans (laughs) well thank you so much for sharing some of your story and for being so uh, open and vulnerable I really appreciate it and I really admire the just the bravery and the the entire path that you've been on, I think makes you an incredibly inspirational and authentic human. And I am all about having 
more of you folks that are inspirational and authentic in the, the therapy field. So I'm, I'm excited for you that you can hopefully make a place uh, in that field that feels like it fits best for you and, and allows you to also bring in your love of the nature and the outdoors and all that balance that you're looking for. Oh, Kim. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really nice thing to say. Um, and I'll work on taking it in. Thanks for joining us this week on the Burnout Made Me Do It podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you want to know how much burnout is costing you, you can go to my website, www.burnoutmademedoit.com, where you'll find a free burnout calculator. Till next time, friends. Remember, Mondays aren't the enemy. Burnout is.